This message is brought to you by The Covenant Nation. All right, let's take a confession this morning. One, two, go. As I say to listen to the word of God today, a door of utterance has been opened unto me, and I hear the voice of God clearly speaking to me, this is the way to go, walk ye in it. I listen under the influence of the Spirit of God, and I am not distracted by anything or anyone. The Word of God is food to my spirit. I am strengthened by it this morning. It is wine to my heart, creating joy within me. It is oil to my face, causing my life to shine giving me victory in everything that I do. As my eyes make contact with the scriptures used in this message, the Spirit of God opens new things to me. He also brings to my remembrance things Jesus once showed me. I come to understand God's system on the earth, and I receive instruction, encouragement, correction, and the enablement to live out God's will. Amen and amen. All right. Uh, this morning, I want to share from um, Ephesians chapter 3, verse 20. Um, still the line of thought we've been uh, pushing in the last few weeks. Uh, but I want to get into some, all right, okay, go deeper right into it. Now, in Ephesians 3 and verse 20, it says, uh, Now unto him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above what we called ask or think according to his power that works on the inner side of us. So he tells us that God will do exceeding abundantly above that which we ask or think according to his power that works on the inner side of us. Now, what this means, and this strongly suggests, is that when you bring your prayers and your requests unto God, uh, God is set. His intent is to exceed in abundant measure, ab in abundant measure, that particular request that you have brought unto him. In other words, what he is going to do, what God is set to do, this is the person we are dealing with, it will exceed in abundant measure that which you have in your own heart. But then it says it's according to that which you ask or think. Now, I believe and I will show from scripture that what is referring to there is ask and think. In other words, when your thoughts are consistent with that which you have prayed unto God, or let us say, your thoughts are now consistent with the thoughts of God concerning that request. That's a better way to put it. When your own thoughts are consistent with the thoughts of God concerning that particular request, then he is able to do through you exceeding abundantly above. Where the condition is that the thoughts that you now have in your own heart are in line with his own thoughts concerning that request. There's a battlefield going on there. We are thinking about what is going on on the outside. 
and saying that spiritual warfare, God, you must do this on the outside. We said this over the last two weeks. God is working in us first. And prayer is always answered within you first. Uh, we saw in Ephesians chapter, uh, sorry, Philippians chapter 4 and verse 6, it tells us about we shall be anxious for nothing. Now, anxiety there means you are entertaining certain thoughts of fear and all of that. That's where the anxiety is coming from. Careful for nothing. It says, but in everything, by prayer and by supplication, with thanksgiving, let your request be made known unto God. Now, what's the answer here? And the peace of God that passeth all understanding shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. In other words, in answer to your prayer, God will exchange thoughts. You came in, all right, being careful with anxiety, all right, fearful and worried about certain things in your life. And then you come to God in prayer and he says, what I'm going to do is I will take away the thoughts there of anxiety and replace them there with, all right, thoughts of peace. And it's a peace that passes all understanding. Now, what we are saying is where those thoughts of peace are, and the condition is now fulfilled, that habitually in the mind of that person, those thoughts of peace remain there. You are going to see a performance on the side of God that exceeds in abundant measure what you ask there. Right? Now look at Jeremiah chapter 29, verse 11. You see what it says here? It says, I know the thoughts that I have towards you. Jeremiah 29, 11. I know the thoughts that I think towards you. Say the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil to give you an expected end. In other words, what God is going to pass across to you are thoughts of peace. And it's through these thoughts of peace, if you embrace them, that you are going to get the expected end. If after you pray, you are still entertaining negative thoughts, then don't bother praying at all. If what you're thinking about is, well, I can continue thinking all kinds of thoughts, and what I'm talking, what you're saying, God move with your power on the outside without there being any correction in your mind. Then the Bible tells us that any man who is double-minded, let not that man think he shall receive anything from the Lord. Let him not think. Go to verse 6. It says, any man who is double, all right, verse 7, then verse 8. It says, a double-minded man is unstable in his ways. Uh, and that person should don't think he will ever receive anything, all right, from the Lord. So what he does are thoughts of peace. And this is where the spiritual warfare comes in the place of prayer. Because uh, it tells us in 2 Corinthians 12, it says the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they are mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds, casting down imaginations and every high thing, and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. It says when that is established, then there is a readiness to revenge all disobedience when your own obedience has been fulfilled, which means there can be a change on the outside. 
when your own obedience on the inside, that's the condition here, has been fulfilled. Uh, so don't go out thinking. When you pray, God begins to rain thoughts into your heart. Uh, thoughts of peace right there. And it tells us that if you embrace these thoughts here, it is through these thoughts that you are going to have the performance on the outside. Uh, that's why it tells us in Philippians 4 uh, and verse 8, it says, the end of it is, finally, my brethren, Philippians 4, 8, finally, above all things, whatsoever things are true, honest, just, pure, lovely, if they're good reports, virtue, if there be any praise, think on these things. So he talks about him giving you thoughts of peace. And then as you start thinking on these things, then what you're going to start seeing is God manifesting in your life, exceeding abundantly above. But if you don't understand it's an exchange of thoughts, I'm taking away your thoughts of anxiety and I'm giving you thoughts of peace. And then when I give you these thoughts of peace, you think upon those thoughts and then you will start seeing a performance. That's why it tells us in Psalm 5 and verse 8, he said, I will hear what the Lord shall say unto his people and to his saints. He says, sorry, I will hear what the Lord will speak, for he shall speak peace to his people and to his saints. But let them not turn again, it says this, honor to folly. Let them not turn again. That's away from those thoughts of peace. Let them stay with those thoughts of peace he has suggested and think upon those things. And what is going to happen is you are going to have, all right, God manifested himself in this exceeding abundant measure. Uh, now, so let's look at it again, uh, performance of his prayer. Let's go to Romans chapter 8. Uh, and let's start reading from verse 4, uh, all right? Romans chapter 8, verse 4. For the righteousness of the law might be fulfilled in us, who walk not after the flesh, but after the spirit. For they that of the flesh do mind, that's using your mind, thoughts, the things of the flesh. But they that are after the spirit, the things of the spirit. The word things are the thoughts of the spirit. And then in verse 6, it talks about, uh, and then it goes on, to be carnally minded is death. But to be spiritually minded, in other words, thinking upon the thoughts that God has given to you is life and peace. Is when you are thinking those thoughts there. And that's what we'll look at this morning. That's when the Holy Spirit now has room to be able to do in the life of that person beyond what that person has asked or thought. In other words, or imagine, beyond that person asks and thinks, which means he's able. You now start seeing the performance of God. So you can't have a person who is praying and then who is worried and then checking on the outside and then finds and the prayer is not answered. No, God answers the prayer by that exchange. All right? It is through that exchange, which means that a person is in a particular place. How does a person start succeeding? A person is in a certain situation. They've struggled. They've done, all right, different kinds of things to succeed and all of that. It's not working. They go to God in prayer. He says, I will exchange thoughts here. I will take away thoughts of failure and give you thoughts of success. Remaining in the same environment with a different mindset, everything in your life will change. All right? everything in your life will change. Which means is to change the thoughts that actually reside on the inside of you. Uh, so let's see how this works. Let's look at it here. 
So we have in Psalm 106, I want to show something in verse 15. It tells us Psalm 106 and verse 15. Now, he gave them their request. Uh, but the Bible says he sent leanness into their souls. And then the next verse says, And they envied Moses also in the camp, and Aaron, the saint of the Lord. Uh, so here were folks here that didn't go with God's system. All right? They went to God in prayer and asked for something. So it's, it's like, I don't show it's like asking for, let's say, a car or a job. And they got it, the car and the job. But still, in their soul, there was leanness. Which means they were not satisfied. And even though they had the car and the job, they were still envious of Moses and Aaron. What they asked for was a car or a job or whatever. It was granted unto them. But they were not satisfied even though they got it. That's why when you offer your prayer unto God, we've said, let God make the offer. All right? If you offer it up, God wants to do exceeding abundantly because if you just get what you are saying you want to get, there will still be leanness in your soul and still you are envious. And I've seen people, or I look big on the outside but they filled with so much insecurity on the inside of themselves. They are threatened by people that are much less than them outwardly. Now, the reason is that they see that those people have certain things, spiritually speaking, that they don't have, and it's only a matter of time the future is in the hands of these people here. So they envied, even though they had it. They envied Moses and Aaron. Uh, now, the reason we say again is that God had something he wants to do. And if we allow him to do what he wants to do, in answer to our prayer, what we're going to see is that we're going to get either that house or car, but what happens is there'll be a manifestation of God's kingdom in your life which is much deeper, all right, than the house or the car. Now, let's look at it this way here. All right? In Proverbs chapter 11 and verse 5, or verse 25, it says, remember they were lean within their souls. It says that a liberal soul shall be made fat. Now, I want to start suggesting how you approach it when you have an issue or you are anxious about something or there is a need in your life and you want to communicate to God and pray effectively about it. All right? It says in Proverbs 11.25, the liberal soul shall be made fat, and he that watereth shall be watered also himself. In other words, it says, is the generous soul, remember there was leanness in their soul, is the generous soul that is going to come to a place of fatness. Then we see, all right, in Isaiah, sorry, Luke chapter 12 and verse 29. You see what Jesus said. And seek not what you shall eat, what you shall drink, or what you shall wear, or you can say where you will walk, 
Neither be ye of doubtful mind. Or, mouthful mind. For all these things do the nations of the world seek after. And your father knoweth that you have need of these things. But he suggests something. But rather, seek ye the kingdom of God. And all these things shall be added unto you. In other words, it says, you want these things, but it's suggesting that seek you first the kingdom, uh, and all these other things shall be added unto you. Because a person who receives that kingdom, there is something different about that person. Yes, what happens to that person is, you'll see this, they have purpose, they have clarity. Uh, they have come to discover all right, the hope of their calling in Christ. They are not just working. They are on an assignment for God. Even though they are blessed with a car or they are blessed with this measure of finances and an abundance in business, there is a greater assignment that they have. Uh, there is something that they have discovered about themselves, and they're on that major assignment. So he tells us that to enter into this. He says, look, leave those things. God will get all those things across to you. But he says that those things will not satisfy you in themselves. Even as a pastor, a big church won't satisfy you. You can come into that church and it's massive, and you still even... You can, if there's leanness right there, even a person, we've seen people with massive churches in places who have committed suicide. We've seen them. In other words, there was a condition in their soul that nobody could relate to. And they couldn't understand how you'll be this successful on the outside. The reason is no purpose, no sense of direction. And you look at it and say to yourself, is this all what we are all chasing in life? Uh, is this what I was going to the seminars for? And I was paying and I was being trained and read all those words. Is it just all about this? There's still leanness in the soul of that person. Uh, and the person can be completely insecure, even though they are that big about some small preacher who's preaching, all right, uh, in town. They've just been insecure. Uh, so God says, look, all this will be added unto you, but let's get the kingdom first so that you have that kingdom on the inside of yourself. That you'll be blessed. You'll have what to eat, what to drink, what to wear, all of that, but get the kingdom. So the person in business is on a kingdom assignment. There's something much deeper that is going on in their lives than just that business. And so God says, I want to do that. He says, to get into that, it says here, it's the liberal soul that will be made fat. So it talks about that generous person. Uh, so it starts, even though you have your own need, God says it starts with generosity. And I look at the next verse there, uh, Luke chapter um, um, 12 there, all right? It says, it's your father's little flock. It's your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. So it suggests, start it this way. Sell from what you have and give alms. It says, this is how it starts. All right, you want to open up your life to that particular thing and that flow. And you want to open up your life here, we're going to say this, to my own thoughts that are going to come out of heaven, not just external stuff. You want to open up your life to that. He says, take from what you have. 
and begin to give. Think about become a generous person. Cultivate inside you that law of kindness. Don't just think about Christianity that all this. Because what you're going to find out is the kingdom assignment that you are going to have in the midst of this is about helping other people. So he says, let us start, all right, because this is what this assignment is. In other words, if you're unfaithful in the unrighteous mammon, he says, who shall give you the true riches? He says, if you have not been faithful in that which is another man, which means you're not thinking about another person. He says, who shall give you your own? Because your own thing there, all right, God is going to show you how through that thing, you're going to begin to help people on a large scale and transform the lives of people. And that is the kingdom assignment. That is what gives satisfaction to a person. Now, you will be able to buy any car you want to buy, but that, the car won't give you satisfaction there. What will give you satisfaction is this thing, assignment I've given to you. All right? It's that that I would have given to you. The opportunities that you'll have created. So he said, I want to show you what your own assignment is. He said, but we've got to see. That's why uh, before uh, Peter could get into his own assignment, kingdom assignment there, uh, he, he told all night and caught nothing. The introduction of Jesus to him wasn't, Peter, all right, come. Because there was something bigger. He didn't just say, come, come and catch fish now. And caught an abundance and say, you can go. I'm Christ, follow me. He said, no, I've got to show you how it works because I'm taking you now into a life of giving. I'm taking you now into a life where you will, all right, that's where, now you're going to have all these things, but, but the real core of your life is going to be this. So he said, let's start with this. And if Peter had turned that down and said, I am, then he shut the door on the kingdom. Now today we know about Peter, everybody's preaching Peter, preaching Peter is much bigger than the fish. If you just, were just about catching fish, you'll have caught fish and gone home. And nobody would know about Peter today. So he said, lend me your boat. And that Peter, in his own need, was able to give to the need of Christ. Just said, that's it now. Push me into the waters. And hold things there. And Jesus began to preach. That's how you opened the door. That's why Cornelius, even though he was a Roman centurion, he was the one. It was through his prayers there. Because God was saying, I mean, Cornelius wasn't thinking about this. But obviously, he must have had some dissatisfaction in his life in terms of, well, I'm a Roman century, I have all these things, but there's more to it in life than this. So his prayers and his arms came as a memorial, and God began to send thoughts right there. All right, from, from here. He says, send for one Simon Bajona, he shall tell the words. All right, thoughts began to come. Direction began to come. And Simon, Peter was there. All right, and Peter also had a vision as a result of the prayers of Cornelius. That's why when he came to the woman at the well, wanting to open this up to her, said, give me to drink. That's the first thing. That's why, I mean, could just have said, I'm going to give you water, this gift. He said, but before you get into that, you must understand, this is a life here. This is what I want to show you. That's what he said. So he said, give me to drink. He said, if you knew, all right? That's why he says, just answer, he said, if you knew the gift of God, and who was it that saith unto you, give me to drink, you will have asked of him, and he will have given you. He says there is living water. Also, we have the woman who was in debt. What did the prophet say? What do you have in your house? All right? This thing here of opening up your life to the kingdom there through your own giving. And then it starts that way. And then when you go to God in prayer, understand that he is going to send thoughts 
not manifestations first, thoughts. And the thoughts become the raw material through which every disobedience on the outside, all right, will be revenged. Isaiah 55, verse 1 to verse 3, he said, come unto me, he that hath, Isaiah 55, 1. He says, everyone that is thirsty, come ye to the waters. Ye that have no money, come ye and buy and eat. Come and buy wine and milk without money and without price. He says, wherefore are you spending money? That's why you are buying things with money. All right? So it wasn't that you didn't personally even have money. He says, you are spending money for that which is not bread. He says, and you are laboring for that which satisfieth not. You're going to work and you're spending money. He says, but there's no satisfaction. Hacking diligently unto me. My thoughts are going to start coming. He says, that's the waters you're taking. He says, and eat that which is good and let your soul delight itself in fatness. So that fatness there that comes into your soul doesn't come by external manifestation, but it comes by the thoughts that God begins to send into your heart that starts, all right, creating something on the inside. When he says, eat honey, he said, and the honeycomb is sweet to thy taste. He says, so shall the knowledge of wisdom be to thy soul. In Proverbs, when you have found it, there shall be a reward. He says, eat honey. Now, let's look at verse 13. Eat honey, all right, it says, which is good, and the honeycomb, which is sweet to thy taste. Now, it says, so shall the knowledge of wisdom be to thy soul, which means the knowledge of wisdom is sweet to your soul. The knowledge of wisdom is creating that. That's the satisfaction that you get out of life. It's that knowledge of wisdom that is coming. People just want manifestation. It's not manifestation on the outside that will satisfy you. It's the knowledge of wisdom. It says that. It says, knowledge of wisdom be to your soul when you are found it. It said, there shall be a reward, and your expectation shall not be what? Cut off. Compare this to Jeremiah 29 verse 11, and you have it. He says, the thoughts that I think towards you are thoughts of good and not of evil. Thoughts of peace and not of evil to give you the expected end. There shall be a reward and your expectation shall not be cut off. So those thoughts of peace is the knowledge of wisdom he gives to you. And how do you get it? Verse 12 of Jeremiah 29, it says, you shall call upon me and you shall go and pray unto me. And then he says this, and, and, and I will hearken unto you. And verse 13, and you shall seek me, and you will find me when you search for me with the whole, all right, of your heart. So thoughts begin to come in. Now, where are you going to get these thoughts from? You're going to get them from God's word. All right? We said this last week, these thoughts uh, the Holy Spirit wants to give you. All right? It tells us in, I think it's Isaiah 34, 12, take ye the book of the Lord and read. He says, take that book of the Lord and read. He said, of 16, seek ye out the book of the Lord and read. Not one of these shall fail. None shall want a mate, for my mouth has commanded it. He says, and his spirit has gathered it. Read that book. The book, the word of God is called the Logos of God. All right? That's in the beginning was the word, the word was God, the word was God. That's the Logos. That's the sum total of the thoughts of God is found here. And so when you go to God in prayer, he takes a fraction of those thoughts that have to do with your own personal situation there. And the thoughts, all right, now begin to come to you. Those thoughts there, and it takes spiritual warfare to get to those places. It, it takes warfare to access these thoughts here. And that's why he says that, because the book here is sealed. We've seen that. The word of God is sealed. 
Uh, and it says, weep not, for the lion of the tribe of Judah hath prevailed to open the book. So there's that prevailing there to do what? To open the book. Because once the book is open and you have access to the thoughts of God, all anxiety, all tears, everything about it will be wiped away once you see what the word of God says about it. Gone. Two-edged sword pierces into it. Your, your soul becomes sweetened by that information that the Spirit of God is giving to you. It's like honey being poured into your soul. It is sweet to your taste. It, it ministers there on the inside of you. So it amounts to foolishness. That's why I said the Lord will speak peace or we could say wisdom. Let them not turn again to folly. That's why he says folly. It's wisdom he speaks. I am Psalm 85 and verse 8. The Lord will speak peace. He says, only that they should not turn again. All right? But let them not turn again to folly. In other words, that peace is wisdom because the opposite of it there is foolishness. And it's the knowledge of wisdom. Just, I, I need to just to get this here. Don't look on the outside. All right? Enter into that life of giving. And then begin to pray. And in that prayer there, what you understand is that the book there is unsealed unto me. And so I began to see the thoughts of God because there are thoughts for every single situation in your life. And I want to bring this to a close, all right, because I have about 10 more minutes. So thoughts for every single situation. He begins to give those thoughts. He now says, don't turn again to folly. I want you to think upon this. Now what he wants you to do is to start meditating upon it. Now, what it means here by meditating upon it. Remember what he told Joshua. He said this book of the law, that was that book, the book in Isaiah 34 and verse 16. It says, take ye out the book and read. Not one of it shall fail. Not one that you see will fail. Take out that book. Now, is that same book it says, when you read it, must not depart out of your mouth in Joshua 1.8. But that you shall meditate upon it day and night. So you start meditating upon it. Because it's by meditation there, you're going to lead to manifestation. Remember it says, meditate upon these things. Give yourself wholly unto them that thy profiting may appear unto all. So it says, think upon these things. Meditate upon them. Don't turn again to falling. Meditate upon these things. Give yourself. So it says, this book of the law shall not depart out of your mouth. But thou shalt meditate upon it day and night, that thou mightest observe to do. So as you start meditating on those thoughts, what you should do, will now get communicated to you. And he says, once you start doing that which those thoughts suggest to you, you make your way prosperous and you are going to have good success in life. So God pours his thoughts within. That's where you get the supply of the Spirit. And you meditate on those thoughts. And as you start meditating on th thoughts there, you now begin to observe. What you are supposed to do, you start seeing it. All right? And then he says, you will make your way prosperous. And you will have good success in life. What do we mean by this observation here? 
In Isaiah 42 and verse 20, it says, Who is as blind, all right? Okay, from 19. Who is blind but my servant? Deaf as my messenger I send. Blind as he that is perfect. Blind as the Lord's servant. He says the Lord's servant is, is, he says there's nobody as blind as my servant. He says, saying many things, but thou observeth not. Opening the ears, but you do not hear. In other words, he says you are seeing many things, but you can't, you, you know, you're not, you not observing. Now, this is where the practicality of the Christian faith, the practical nature, and this is where I believe the church, there's the gap. He says you are seeing many things, but you don't observe those things. You can look at things and observe data and have prophetic insight into what is going to happen based on the data. Here is what I am saying. Somebody gets up and says, how God, God, or I come to the Spirit and says, in five years time, your business is going to be at this particular place. You say, man, correct prophetic statement. I'm telling you, that if you are meditating and they give you real-time data, relevant data to your business, you, may, you will be able to observe from that data that prophetic utterance if it is accurate. Period. You'll see it. This is how you flow in the prophetic there in the marketplace. They present you and you see. Because what meditation does, as you are thinking the thoughts of God, is your, I'm looking for the word to use, your, your, your capacity to observe. Your, 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 that keenness that in the inside there. That thing is awakened on the inside of you. That's why uh, David said in Psalm 119 verse 99, he said, I, am more, I have more understanding than my teachers for thy testimonies and my meditation. What the teachers were teaching him was different. But he says, I have more understanding than them because there is something that has been awakened on the inside of me as I meditate upon your testimonies. You see, in the Greek, when they talk about wisdom, there are three levels of wisdom. There is Sophia, which is the knowledge of eternal things, which is you understand, all right, your righteousness in God in Christ, you understand, that's knowledge. But there is, there is phronesis, which is called prudence, which is being efficient in the things of time. There is phronesis, which means knowing how to arrange things and, and that. Now, it is said that phronesis is through prudence there that men gather material substance to themselves. So you can have a Christian who knows a lot of Sophia but doesn't have any prudence there, all right? Doesn't know anything about it and they speak in tongues for it as they don't have any form of prudence there and when they put them in business, they fail because they don't even see the necessity of prudence there because to get that, even though you are meditating on the scripture, you have to expose yourself to natural information there so that the Spirit of God can quicken and give you a remarkable insight. They don't do that. They don't read any books. They don't read any books because they believe that as Christians, we should be reading books on the anointing here and all of this, and they don't read any book there. They go and start into business without any nothing. It's just, well, I heard God to go and start, and then they just go, nothing, no information. You won't be listening to me preach here, sitting down where you are, and I am in another place. 
if not for that, the fact that some people made use of what is called prudence. It won't happen. In fact, you won't have people singing on the mic there. And you said there's a move of the Spirit. If people could not sing out there with the mic and you could hear their words. We have to get into this field. All right? There are two types of knowledge. I've said this here. There's the redemptive one. But there's that which is in creation. Where we get physics. Where we get uh, biology from. Where we get chemistry from. All right? Where we get scientific laws. He says that the invisible things of God can be clearly seen and being understood by the things that are made. Even his eternal power and his Godhead. So they are without excuse. In other words, in creation, there is information in creation. It's the logos. It was created. All those laws you are seeing are laws in the minds of God. Arithmetic came from the mind of Jesus. Physics there, that law, is just that man is discovering that. Now you can find that out by diligently searching. It's not sealed. It's out there. If you put your mind to it, you'll discover it. But Sophia, all right, has to come through revelation. That's why Jesus said, he said, flesh and blood had not revealed but my father who is in heaven. Now what the church has to do, I don't have time, is to merge the Sophia with the phronesis. And that's what happened in David when he said, I have more understanding. In other words, Jesus had Sophia, but he had to go, even though they were Pharisees. He said they have the key of knowledge. He had to go there and sit underneath them to be able to even understand things by himself. And as you begin to get that information, you get more practical with your Sophia. I repeat, you get more practical with your Sophia. And then you're no longer just somebody detached. It's there. And it's data. You have the information. They give you that information. I mean, let me just say this here. In close, you know, uh, we talk about Nebuchadnezzar and all of this. And that's what Nebuchadnezzar, and that he built a massive kingdom of Babylon and, and all of that. And, and God was the one that raised up Nebuchadnezzar. It's in the scriptures. Let me just show you something. Go to Daniel chapter 4 and I'll close with this. God raised Nebuchadnezzar. Because Nebuchadnezzar wrote Daniel chapter 4. Please put it up. Daniel 4, 1. Nebuchadnezzar the king unto all people, nations, languages that dwell in the earth. Peace be multiplied unto you. Uh, this is where Paul got his peace and grace. This is from what he wrote. I thought it good to show you the signs and wonders that the high God had wrought towards me. Verse 3. How great are his signs, how mighty are his wonders. His kingdom is an everlasting kingdom, and his dominion is from generation to generation. Verse 4. I, Nebuchadnezzar, was at rest in my house, flourishing in my palace. Now, I saw a dream. Now, that's consulting. I saw a dream, and the dream was based on judgment. But that judgment came as a result of certain things he was doing. It's not that God just woke up. There was just judgment. Certain things. God says, perilous time shall come because men shall be. Certain things. Paul himself said, listen, the reason why I had this demonic attack here and there was a thorn in the flesh, he said, it was because that I might not be exalted above measure. He understood there was a condition in his soul. Many times when we go through tests, God says, yes, that test there, they're over pushing it, but says, but there's something in you I also want to change. So he got there and began to boast. Now it was God, but he says he came to realize it was God that got him there. But he was boastful and then after some time he realized. He said, then I turned towards heaven. 
He says, and I began to extol and praise him. He said, my reasoning returned unto me and my understanding came back. All right. Later in the chapter there, let me, let me say that. It says, and at the end of the days, I lifted up my eyes. That's after seven years of judgment. It says, my eyes unto heaven. And he realized, God, you are the one. I didn't know all this while. It says, my understanding returned unto me. And I blessed the most high God and I praised and honored him that liveth forever and ever. Verse 35, it goes on and says that inhabitants are not of that. Verse 36, all right, I think he spoke, he said, at the same time, my reason returned back. That's the logos. It returned back. In other words, the understanding and the reasoning through which he built that kingdom. God gave him the understanding. This is what I want you to say. And God gave him the reasoning, which means he gave him the capacity to see how he will do it. And it was that understanding there that he put in play. He thought it, was, it came from his own natural intelligence and brilliance, but it was God that bestowed it upon him for a prophetic purpose there in the building of Babylon. Now, I want to check it. And history says that Nebuchadnezzar was the, one of the, was the most powerful king that ever imagine Babylonian empire strongest I just want you to see one of the things he did that nations are doing today Daniel chapter 1 and verse 4 just so that you see what is going on he didn't what was part of his reasoning it was how he recruited verse 4 verse 4 Daniel 4 how he recruited let's start from 3 how he recruited and what's going on today this immigration and the king spoke unto Ashpenaz the master of the eunuchs that he should bring certain of the children of Israel you know, I was watching this. Someone in church sent to be minister in church about, about coaching and, and, and leadership. And, and the coach of um, uh, American female football team, she said something, said recruiting is the lifeblood of leadership. Recruiting, which means how you recruit, who you recruit, who you bring into the game is the lifeblood of, of leadership. So it says here, all right? And it, and it says this, and it should bring certain of children of Israel, certain, not everybody, Satin, a particular type, of the king's kid, seed and of the princes. He said this, children in whom there is no blemish, well-favored, skillful in all wisdom, cunning in knowledge, understanding science, and such as had ability in them to stand in the king's palace, whom they may teach the learning and the tongues of the Chaldeans. How did Daniel have 10 times more understanding? It was in the learning and the tongues of the Chaldeans, their own data, because they were meditating on scriptures and had Sophia there. When they exposed it to it, their understanding of it was 10 times more. That is all God is asking from us. But we are not exposing ourselves. We are not reading the books. What we're saying is, how are you going to prosper? I give it, shall be given. We are not. All right? And that's what they do. That's immigration. And it's on everybody they are giving the visa to. Certain type is written. Let us tap a certain type of seed. Then bring them. That, they say, that's, what, that's how he built Babylon. That's how he built it. He brought immigrants from out of the area there and taught them the language of the Chaldeans. The only thing about them, Daniel, is they didn't bow to that system and culture. And you could see the type of man Nebuchadnezzar was. Even when they didn't bow and they showed that they had superior, that their own God was superior to whom he was worshipping, he said, we follow his God. That's how he became great. He bowed to superior arguments, bowed to superior logic. Make the suggestion, he will do it. You can see it from there. Somebody in church who recruits told me, said, I use that to recruit now. That's the way in which I, I recruit for companies. I use that model. Combination of Sophia. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you for your word. 
Thank you for this fast we just ended. Thank you for the release of angels. Thank you for the release of your spirit into our hearts. Thank you for the powerful things that you wrought within our lives. I pray for everyone under the sound of my voice. That by the enablement of the spirit, your will, have the scriptures opened unto you. The gates of heaven through your giving and helping those in need and thoughts of peace. The knowledge of God's wisdom will be communicated into your soul. And as you meditate, you come to observe, observe, and you enter into the most powerful things. Most powerful things beyond your imagination that the angels you have prayed are set to do who are all around you standing and waiting for that connection to be made in your soul and your voice and your actions. And the unprecedented shall happen to you before the end of this year. Nothing anybody under the sound of my voice has uttered in prayer during this fast will you not see exceeding abundantly above that which you prayed about in the mighty name of Jesus.